What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 155 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Mike Lindell's My Cyber Symposium episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Liv Agar, Julian Field, and Travis View. Today, we're mounting our magic pillows once again and floating from our windows up into the sky, an endless procession of dreamers soaring towards a smiling sun with a human face, that of Minnesota man Mike Lindell. Just last week, the Pillow Magnet held a cyber symposium in South Dakota, which prominently featured Ron Watkins of QAnon Infamy as a key expert on the matter of election voting machines. A three-day event filled with stutter-step gags, a quacking duck, and giant blurry projections of Windows operating system file structures. (laughs) In the mind of Mike Lindell, this symposium would finally be proof that Donald Trump only lost the presidency due to Chinese communist hackers and their American accomplices in the Antifa Democratic Party, alongside with the corrupt voting technology companies like Smartmatic and Dominion. In attendance for this supposed big reveal was journalist Zach Patriso, our guest this week. He's been covering Mike Lindell over the course of the man's post-election mania, and he's survived multiple documentaries like Absolute Proof, Absolute Interference, Scientific Proof, and Absolute 9-0, as well as the launch of what was supposed to be a social media network, Frank Speech. Lindell's relationship to Patriso is, of course, of the stormy kind. Although the MyPillow CEO sometimes engages with Zach in good faith, he has recently claimed that the young reporter was a, quote, cancer to this country and that he should, quote, lose my number. But before we get into all that, I'm handing you over to Travis View, who has prepared a segment explaining the latest shambling developments in voting slash pillow technology. My Cyber Symposium. So Mike Lindell, or Mike Pillow, as I assume he likes to be called, uh, has been just on a months-long crusade trying to prove voter fraud and election fraud. Now, the normal venue for proving these claims is court, but Lindell has tried a different route, namely digital content. <laughs> he's going to post post his way to Trump being back in the office. He really thinks he's going to post he's going <laughs> to post Trump back into the Oval Office. Mainly producing uh, fake documentaries and live shows. <laughs> the most recent documentary was called that uh, was just produced just a couple months ago. It was called Absolute 9 to 0, which uh, reflects Lindell's conviction that after all of this evidence is revealed in the form of this digital content, the Supreme Court will rule 9 to 0 in favor of invalidating the election and presumably reinstating President Trump. The Supreme Court is going to upvote this post. <laughs> now, unfortunately, all of those uh, documentaries didn't do the trick. So uh, Lindell held what he called a cyber symposium in South Dakota. There he promised to show data called packet captures or PCAPs, which are snapshots of Internet traffic. He claimed that these PCAPs would demonstrate that China somehow hacked the election. Lindell has also claimed that he has 37 terabytes of information related to voter fraud. That's a very specific number. So, you know, that lends it some credibility, I assume. Lindell also said that he would give $5 million to anyone who could disprove uh, the data about uh, election fraud, provided they actually attended the event in person. Uh, Unsurprisingly, you know, no one collected and he eventually rescinded this offer. I really wish that he had like, yeah, like a, I don't know, like a suitcase suspended above the symposium with the money in it and like some sort of mechanism. Like if he had just made it into a little more of a show, I think that people would have enjoyed it more. Now, this claim about PCAPs from Lindell isn't new. 
In fact, he discussed it in his recent absolutely nine to zero film uh, during a scene in which he talks to an anonymous supposed cyber expert whose identity is obscured with pixelation and voice modulation. And it was like taking a movie. I compared it to like taking a movie and they have all this information, millions of lines of data. Why don't we show that right now? Can you go ahead and say what we're watching here? Yeah, that's essentially the raw encrypted data. And I mean, that would run for for the next couple of days. You know, that's the amount of data that we're dealing with here. So what this contains here is what? What are the what are these? Is this cyber forensics? What are we what are we looking at? What what are these called? I know I know you had told me before they're called like PCAPs or something. Yeah, I'm disappointed that the numbers that were scrolling on the screen way too fast to like read in any way weren't green. I know. It looks like, yes, it looks like the, sort of tra- the Matrix transition screen. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think this is like a lot of talks about, it's like, oh, we have so much data. Just look at it. Just look at it. It's like you can't even see anything. It's just meaningless characters scrolling on the screen. Oh, it's there. Because it's there, it means I'm right. You're going to argue with those numbers? Don't even know what they mean. How can you argue against them? Look at all the numbers. So there, he obviously, he has no idea what PCAPs even are. But since then, he has become so convinced that this evidence that, uh, when shared publicly, would be so devastating that it would cause President Biden to resign. In fact, here's what he said while promoting the cyber symposium on Steve Bannon's podcast. Once we had the symposium, Steve, I told these people, I said, I said, you know what? I said, well, how are the pathways of Donald Trump coming back? And I said, I said, well, the first one would be once we have the symposium on the by the night of the 12th or the morning of the 13th, if everyone has seen it, including the administration that's in there now that didn't win. uh, Maybe, you know, Biden and Harris would say, hey, we're here to protect the country and resign. Um, you know, and, and I'm serious. If you have any moral character about you, 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 you are. We're, we're all in this together. And this was an attack, and you're going to see that at this symposium. It's all going to be, you know, everything will be revealed there. Now, I did watch the uh, the live stream of the symposium uh, for for the three days. Not all of it. Occasionally, I did have to step outside and like look at the trees and wonder what I'm doing with my life because it was <laughs> was really absolutely grueling. Before I discuss what happened at the symposium itself. I have to talk about what happened a few days before the event, because that's going to help make, make sense of some of the chaos that ensued. So what happened was that Ron Watkins, AKA code monkey Z, AKA the former Akun admin, who was a prime suspect for being one of the people behind Q claimed that he was contacted by a whistleblower who could supposedly demonstrate that dominion voting systems were compromised. The big reveal on his telegram channel uh, was a one minute and 17 second video. Now, prior to the release, Ron Watkins spent a lot of time hyping up the bravery of the supposed whistleblower in some telegram posts. Our whistleblower is a hero. Our whistleblower is a patriot. Our whistleblower had access to all of the passwords. Our whistleblower took pictures of what was locked behind those passwords. Today, we learn what it takes to go up against the devil's schemes. Today, we learn what true digital heroism is. Today, a new legend is made. I like uh, your new Ron. He, he almost sounds like Ron plus Obama. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, the PCAPs, they're real. <laughs> the basic accusation that uh, Watkins was making is that Dominion's voting systems are connected to the Internet and therefore are remotely controllable by Dominion themselves. 
Thus, the inference is made that uh, the, the vote tal tallies were compromised or can't be trusted, or it's really kind of vague what he's insinuating. But here's how the, the publication Ars Technica explained why the video and screenshots they posted were less dramatic than promised. Unfortunately for this narrative, all this leaked media really exposes is a generic set of server hardware with explicit instructions to keep it off the internet and lock down its remote management functions. Watkins' video cuts together footage of Dominion CEO John Poulos telling U.S. senators that the machines aren't designed for internet connectivity with footage of the EMS server's BIOS setup interface. The BIOS shots include configuration options for iDRAC, a Dell-specific technology for remote control of server hardware. Curiously, Watkins also includes, although he does not address, Pulo's statement that Dominion does not have access to the password necessary to access these technologies. He also leaves in the part of his quote-unquote whistleblower video in which the Dominion employee states, We don't have access to the BIOS passwords. The state is keeping them. And he ignores the installation manual's explicit instructions to disable iDRAC entirely. Watkins appears intent to convince less technically savvy viewers that Dominion specifically designed these machines to be remotely managed at all times, a narrative contradicted by Dominion's own installation procedures and the fact that the state manages BIOS passwords, which someone with physical access to the machine could use to enable iDRAC as its own secure assets. I, I, this is a, I mean, it seems like this is a gen, uh, general sort of strategy for Ron Watkins and other people who are participating in, in Stop the Steel narratives is that they engage in a lot of techno babble that and then insinuation that makes it sound like something nefarious is going on. But when you actually pick it apart, it's, n it's nowhere near as interesting as actually described. So if the video and screenshots aren't very substantial, uh, where exactly did he get this information? So there was a big clue in the video itself because it included an image of an election system's BIOS password, which is a massive breach of the voting system security. Uh, that, so the, the password is unique, which means that it's possible to identify where that information came from, which is the Mesa County Clerk's Office in Colorado. Now, that creates some problems for a woman named Tina Peters, who was Mesa County clerk and recorder, because it appears she, at the very least, is complicit with this leaked information, which was also published on Gateway Pundit. As a consequence of this breach, the Colorado Secretary of State's office announced an investigation into the Mesa County clerk and recorder's office. So doing election fraud to own the libs, basically. Yeah. So what happened was that Secretary of State Griswold uh, released an order calling on Mesa County clerk Tina Peters to supply surveillance videos and documents showing how the breach occurred and how security information ended up online. Griswold told the newspaper The Grand Junction Daily Sentinel this. We have these security protocols protocols in place for a reason. This is a very serious breach in chain of custody and security protocols. That's why I will be issuing this order and investigating. If the Mesa County clerk cannot show proof in the chain of custody or of the voting equipment after inspection, if there is anything that comes to our attention, the voting equipment will be decertified. So uh, Mesa County's election equipment was in fact decertified, which means <laughs> it can't be used for the next election. It's, uh, it's that serious, apparently. So what's so what's going on here? We've got a pilled. Um... Yes, we have a pilled uh, county clerk who is working with these right wing disinformation pushers mm -hmm. to advance the stop the steal narrative. The Colorado secretary of state determined that the county clerk's office allowed an unauthorized person into sensitive areas where its election equipment is located, had turned off surveillance cameras that were supposed to be monitoring those oh machines my gosh. and failed to show proper chain of custody after new software was installed. 
So yeah, yeah, ugly situation. I'm just I'm imagining a pilled Ethan Hunt, uh, <laughs> de, you know, descending uh, from the ceiling, you know, in the black suit with the glasses, right. you know, accessing turning like off the, the camera. yeah, turning yeah. off the camera, stealing the Dominion machines. No, but you know, you know what it really was is you know they op- they used a key to open a door and knocked over a waste bin or something. You know, <laughs> I'm sure very unprofessional heist. Now this is all very serious, so serious in fact. Tina Peters is uh, reportedly facing a criminal investigation right now, so I guess we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, and all of this is relevant because both Ron Watkins and Tina Peters wound up speaking at the cyber symposium. So, so on day one of the cyber symposium, uh, they started right off the bat with technical problems. And like from the first minute, they started going. Mm-hmm. This uh, this prompted Mike Lindell to announce that the conference was under attack. Here here's one of the very first things he came to say uh, out on the stage. This was attacked. Our the whole technology was attacked. We expected that, but we do have a backup plan. It's still be probably another five minutes. And um, I want all of you guys, or all you guys, to know that out there that this is why. Because I need to get the word out. We can't even get the word out to the people that are crankspeech.com because they blocked the thing or blocked the thing. Um, <laughs> but this is part of what I'm going to talk about today. This is the cover up. This is the absolute cover up of this of the worst crime in history. So this really set the tone for the next three days, which are full of ranting, confusion, technical problems, and paranoia. Lindell kicked off the event by making big promises and griping about display problems. And we're going to talk about all this today. This is, um, and you're going to see all kinds of things. You're, we're going to educate everybody. We're going to show them the, the uh, we're going to be running. I'll, I'll show you over here. You see this data that's running there. That's cyber data from, the, from what I've got. Let's see if it's moving. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not rotating yet, but, but there's, that'll go in an endless stream for days. And we put six states up there. All this is noise. It's just a big, long gish gallop. It's just screaming and saying stuff is happening. And I think it's, again, like all gish gallops, it's designed to be exhausting rather than actually convincing. Lindell spent a lot of time bloviating about uh, various grievances. He, for example, uh, recounted the time last May when he was kicked out of the Republican Governors Association Spring Conference after he showed up to that event in Nashville and vowed to confront GOP governors about his false claims of election fraud. If you all remember, I got kicked out of the the Republican Governors Convention because Doug Ducey and Brian Kemp were afraid I would talk to him. I was invited there. Now we're going to talk about the, the terrible media. I was invited to that convention. Here's the real story behind it. I get down there. I got my things. We're all going to head to the governor's mansion. And the guy comes up to me and goes, Mike, you've been kicked out. And he goes, uh, you've been uninvited. I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's something to do with Brian Kemp and Doug Ducey. Well, and I said, the whole event? He said, yeah, the whole event. Well, let me tell you a little side thing. Doug Ducey's the president of that associate or the governor's association, and Brian Kemp is in charge of election integrity of that committee. And it's disgusting. So I called up a bad media and I called up political. I called up political and I said, Hey, you want to do this? Can you believe they kicked me out of the they kicked me out of the governor's association and I got my credentials. I wouldn't give them my credentials back, right? Because I knew they were gonna put what they were gonna pull. A special guest of the first day was Eduardo Bolsonaro, the son of the right-wing populist president of Brazil. But when Lindell announced uh, this, this appearance, he had difficulty pronouncing his name, which, you know, fair. It's, it's, it's tough. We have the um, president's son, Eduardo, coming here. If I say it right, Bar- Barso, how do you say it? Bar- Barso- <laughs> Barso- 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 Barso-
Bolsonaro. Okay, Bolsonaro. Uh, he's going to be coming here to speak. Eventually, Lindell just gave up on the pronunciation attempts and just referred to Eduardo Bolsonaro as Brazil. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? Why? It was a cyber war, and it's a cyber attack by China. And they just did it to Israel. It's just reported. And there's got, you know, Brazil, when he gets here today, that's what they're going to, that's what's going to happen in Brazil. That's what they're trying to change. He's going to talk to you all about that. A few hours into the symposium, uh, Lindell rebuffed a co-presenter who tried to announce a break. <laughs> I'm not breaking is the name of the clip. <laughs> but they got something they want to show you off stage here. Okay, I guess we have something off stage. So we're live streaming though. So you want to talk? Well, I think we're going to, I think we're set up for a break and then maybe we're going to talk a little bit right when we get back there. We're going to go into. No, we're not going on a break. Put up that movie again. Run the movie. There's no breaks. We're streaming 72 hours live streaming. So around the world, this never stops. You guys can go eat. That's fine. But I ain't eating. I'm staying up here for 72 hours before they ruin our signal. You know, unsurprisingly, he actually did not stay up for 72 hours. In fact, Lindell uh, left the stage shortly after he said that. Now, the, the clip I just played for you was actually tweeted out uh, by Daily Beast reporter Justin Barragona. And when Lindell returned to the stage, he got out his phone and read that tweet, very angry, and questioned whether he said what he actually did in fact say. This is the garbage they see. Mike Lindell is legit upset that some people want a break for lunch in his side. Okay, this is Justin Barragona. Okay, Justin Barragona. Mike Lindell is, is legit upset that some people want a break for lunch in his cyber symposium, yelling that he's going to stay up on stage for three days straight. There's no breaks. You guys can go eat. That's fine. But I ain't eating. I'm staying here for 72 hours. Do you, do you remember me saying that? Does anybody remember me saying that? No. You can sleep. We'll cover for okay. you. <laughs> well, news. the only true thing in there is I haven't eaten. It's bizarre interactive experiences because you could make a mean tweet about Lindell that went viral and then he would live on stage read it angry that uh, people are tweeting about him. It's the most expensive like Twitch production. It's <laughs> like the, the but the chat is just Twitter. All you have to do is at him. He would make an incredible streamer, by the way. <laughs> he needs to yeah, get on Twitch. He yeah, he well, I don't know why he hasn't. You can go for 72 hours and it costs, you know, uh, the overhead is very small. Lindell spent a lot of time ranting about being censored. He indulged in a fantasy about the Twitter and Facebook CEOs being imprisoned with bars made by melted-down Dominion machines. You think I needed a social media platform to put out like this? No, I built it because we were losing our voice. Your Twitters, your crooked Jack Dorsey's and Mark Zuckerbuck's of Facebook, they're criminals. They are criminals. They're going to be the first ones when we melt down the machines and make bars. Day one wrapped up with David Clements, who is a uh, business law professor who has been peddling a lot of misinformation about election fraud, uh, comparing his crusade to the Sylvester Stallone film Rocky. So Mike is setting the stage. Everyone here has seen a Rocky movie, right? Everyone's seen Rocky. What the last dun, eight dun, months dun, or dun, nine dun, months dun, has dun, felt dun, like dun, is the first two thirds of a Rocky film. You know, Rocky's down on the mat. What he's foreshadowing is you're going to start seeing these packet captures coming in 
and that's a jab. Rocky's getting up. It's another jab. What we're going to set into motion this week is that third act. And we all love the last five minutes of those Rocky movies, right? So it's time to start punching back, and it's coming. So excited. Now, to Mike Lindell's credit, he did actually invite experts to the symposium to examine the data he supposedly had. The problem is that they all seemed unimpressed by the spectacle. One such expert, Robert Graham, who goes by at Arata Rob on Twitter, tweeted this. Here's the current status. Nothing. They've given us a drop of data that makes no sense that they can't explain. They promise. Just wait until later tonight. That's the real data. I mean, they've given us a bunch of confusing stuff they can't explain, but have not given us the real stuff yet. They promise the real stuff is coming tonight or tomorrow for us to look at. Another expert on the scene was Bill Alderson. He is the chief technology officer at an organization called the Security Institute, and he paid his own way from Texas to attend the event. After the first day, Alderson said this to Dakota News Now. We were unable to get the data from the actual 2020 election. Very disappointing. But every person who came specifically looking for those PCAPs was very disappointed. Some were somewhat angry. First day concluded, two more days to go. It's already not looking for uh, very good for Lindell. But things didn't get really crazy until day two. Uh, by the way, our friends over at the Rumor Flies podcast made a supercut of all the craziest went on on day two. That's very entertaining to watch. So the main event is that uh, they got Ron Watkins himself to call in. However, they had a lot of difficulty connecting with him so they could be seen on the giant displays that were behind and to the right of the stage. While the presenter at the time, who goes by the name Dr. Frank, was stalling for time, he led the crowd in the rendition of God Bless America. Maybe we should sing together. <laughs> row, 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 row. <laughs> that would be fun. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Land! This country okay. needs to be flattened by communist China. It needs to be carpet bombed. <laughs> President right. Xi, my country yearns for freedom. Please, please liberate us, <laughs> President Xi. Finally, they managed to connect with Ron Watkins. But as Watkins started to speak, uh, they still suffered from technical problems, which made the conversation seem like a corporate conference call from hell. Now, before I play you this next clip, bear in mind that these are people who are asking you to trust their technical expertise. Ron, go ahead. Test one, two, three. Test one, two, three. <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. I think it works. Let us work we the technical details. Long. All right. So, so we're good to go? All right. All right, uh, greetings. I'm Ron Watkins. He's there as just quiet. Minus, uh, Code Monkey Z. Okay, Ron, go ahead. That's Mark. Uh, the spider. Okay, okay. Uh, greetings. I'm Ron Watkins, also known online as Code Monkey Z. Gotta refer to that properly. Uh, recently, a pair of publicly available files Got were it. brought to my attention. <laughs> These files are allegedly forensic images of the Mesa County, Colorado. Dominion election management system. Wait a minute. Before he starts, I think he's still too weak of a... Does he need to be louder? Uh, we the need to volume up on CodeMonkey, please, on Ron. ...is where votes are stored, tallied, and prepared into a final... Here, Ron, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Turn your speakers off. My speaker... I'm using headphones. All right. Greetings. 
My name is Ron Watkins. I think it's still two weeks. Don't you think it's still two weeks? Online. It's good. And it's good. Recently, a pair of. Uh, when you say an image of a computer, it, you it's, mean it's a complete. Right, so the issue is I, I can't hear what you guys are saying. <laughs> what did he say? That's okay. We're explaining what you just explained, Ron, to them. So just wait a minute. Now. Okay, Ron. Can we uh, turn the laptop on? It's so bad, we're not even sure if the clip is over yet or if they're just experiencing more technical <laughs> difficulties. I think the clip is over. My favorite early part was when they had to explain what a software update was to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Watkins went on to insinuate that all of these problems were part of some sort of attack designed to keep the information from coming out and not a result of their own poor planning or incompetence. There's video feed issues. Okay. Yeah, it's quite coincidental that the video feed breaks and the live streaming platforms break as soon as we start talking about this. During CodeMonkey's appearance, there was some drama when he said that he just got a call from his lawyer. He said that he had to stop the data review because hard drives from Mesa County were taken without authorization. Watkins specifically says that they were taken by a man named Conan Hayes, an ex-professional surfer who was involved in the Arizona audit and was cited as an expert witness in the voter fraud lawsuit filed in Antrim County, Michigan. That lawsuit, like dozens of similar lawsuits, was dismissed. I mean, the scene was absolute chaos. Uh, we have a problem. Uh, it's just, uh, my, lawyer, my lawyer just called me Ty Clevenger, Mr. Ty Clevenger. And he said... Uh, that I should put out this statement. And I just learned that Conan James Hayes may have taken, without authorization, the actual hard drives from the Mesa County, or the Mesa, Colorado County Clerk. And he needs to produce those hard drives immediately and return them to the clerk. And we should stop this data review until he produces the hard drives. Repeat that. Wait, Ron, Ron, did you just say? Everybody, this is important. Quiet, quiet. Yeah, this is really important, guys. It's important, it's important. Everybody quiet. Ron, did you just say that someone took all of the hard drives from Mesa County office just now? Uh, so what I said was, I just learned that Conan James Hayes may have taken, without authorization, the actual hard drives from the Mesa, Colorado County Clerk. And he needs to produce those hard drives immediately and return them to the clerk. No. And we should stop this data review. From Mesa, he knows. No, that did not happen. Tina just said that did not happen. Physical hard drives. Hold on. No, Tina, Tina says no, that did not happen. Okay. Ron, you, you may no. have heard that incorrectly then. Thanks. Uh, okay. How, how about, can, can Tina explain this then? Because I just got a call from my lawyer that he talked to Tina, Tina to tell me that. Can we get Tina? So, now I'm confused. Hey, Beth, can you have Tina call her lawyer? So, I mean, just some background on Conan Hayes, who, who Ron Watkins claims possibly stole the uh, hard drive. So, he, he co-founded he co the surf company RVCA. No shit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Another pilled what? millionaire. That's right. Jesus Another pilled millionaire trying Christ. to ruin democracy. RVCA is huge. It's all, massive. Yep. All the surfer bros wear that shit. But, but apparently 
He got less interested in surfing, and he actually built some notoriety for himself using the anonymous Twitter account We Have Risen. And uh, a shout out to Twitter user at get underscore innocuous for being the first person to connect the We Have Risen Twitter account to Hayes. Also, we uh, was it at get underscore innocuous. Great follow for he does great uh, OSI and T work. So Hayes promoted QAnon under that account in 2018, but in 2020, he gained more uh, notoriety for himself when he tweeted pictures of what he implied were raw vote tallies photographed in Antrim County. He also posted photos of voting machines, but his involvement in the Stop the Steal campaign kind of like burst out when when he was mentioned by Ron Watkins at this event. Like, yeah, he's just I don't know. All, all the sort of the bored millionaire uh, people are just sort of converging. They're posting anonymously. And uh, they're trying to uh, uh, erode faith in democracy. Yeah. I mean, this is like a big, even like the idea of like a constitutional liberal democracy is like, oh, okay, well, we can't have people violate uh, these norms and regulations. But if everyone who is running the government is pilled or a decent portion of them, a sizable amount, then that those like constitutional stops don't actually work anymore. Yeah. yeah. If you reach a certain level of success, you should just become an MCU character. They should let you become like an Iron Man or whatever you want to pick. <laughs> you have to p- put up the money. It's like a franchise thing. You have to like put up your own money to get the costume and all the tech and stuff, but you can do it if you want. Yeah, like the Expendables, but just like billionaires who realize that uh, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the capitalist ladder lies only uh, a vacuous emptiness. It seemed that the the threat of legal action loomed over the whole second day of the event. In fact, during the event, news broke about a defamation lawsuit against Lindell that was filed by Dominion Voting Systems. It was reported that a federal judge denied Lindell's bid to dismiss the voting machine maker's lawsuit. When this story broke, Lindell could be seen checking his phone and then immediately leaving the stage. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now, even more absurd, occasionally the sound of a duck quacking was was heard while mm-hmm. while people were speaking. This was apparently designed to prevent people from saying something that would put them in legal jeopardy. As in, once they start saying things that were so bad that it increased their legal exposure, there was just quacking sounds. This could be heard when Tina Peters uh, took to the stage to push back against Ron Watkins' claims that physical hard drives were taken. I was watching this and I thought it was a goose and I, I believed I was losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was not, nothing, no hard drives that belonged to our equipment that were taken off the premises uh, from our election voting equipment. Unless it happened during the raid. And, that, and, and they did not allow anyone to be in there. There were no bipartisan judges that were allowed to be in my election department yesterday. There was not my chief deputy, who is the acting clerk, in my absence. No one was allowed to be in there with them when they were there yesterday. Uh, So, Is there anything else you want to say to us? Because we are not allowed legally to let you answer Q&A right now. (laughs) Okay. I just got the notice. All right. Anything else you want to say? There's so many questions I've about what the hell's going on right now. First of all, why quacking? Why do they have to suggest that Perfect. already this 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 whole event is already so absurd? But why not like a ding sound or something that would like why not like an alarm, you know, something like <laughs> woo woo, you know, or something kind of Tom Clancy at like right. you know yeah. ah, Well that is like an iPhone alarm, of... that quacking noise. Cause I, I know cause it used to be my alarm sound in high school. <laughs> so I have that like 
uh, automatic response to an alarm you hear. So I, I, I would have to imagine that whoever was in charge of that was like looking through the Apple alarm sounds and was like, hmm, I can have a fire truck noise. No, I don't want that. <laughs> That's too much. How about this this duck quacking? Ah, They're like, the lawyers will never pick up on that. They'll think it's just an innocent duck. Yeah. They'll never know that we're trying to stop people from putting themselves in legal jeopardy. <laughs> During a delay in Ron's presentation, a man who goes by the name Cannabis Conservative grabbed the microphone. He said that the CNNs of the world should start reporting what they're seeing and stop fact-checking. He repeated a debunked claim that adjudication logs in Antrim, Michigan were deleted. And in reality, Antrim did not have adjudication logs because they did not purchase the Dominion adjudication module. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not a computer guy. I don't know what most of this stuff means, but I've been researching this election since November 3rd, and I can tell you right now that everything we're seeing right here, we saw in Antrim County, the adjudication logs being deleted. It was absolutely censored by the media. Most people don't know that this isn't anything new. We've seen it in Antrim County, we've now seen it in Maricopa County, and we're now looking at it with our very own eyes in Colorado. What does Colorado matter? Why are they attacking Colorado? We need to wake up as people, and you, the cameras in the back there, not all of you, but the CNNs of the world, you guys need to start reporting this and stop fact-checking it. They're basically calling for uh, Travis to be put to death. (laughs) (laughs) This is where where it ends, the fact-checker gulag. So all of that was awkward and weird, but uh, what about the actual evidence that Lindell supposedly provided? That proved to be insubstantial, according to the very experts that Lindell himself hired. Josh Merritt, one of the experts summoned by Lindell, gave an interview in the Washington Times saying that the data failed to establish that China hacked the election. Now, it's kind of interesting that he provided this interview to the Washington Times because it is a right-leaning publication and is, in fact, owned by the Unification Church Cult, or the Moonies, as they're better known. I don't know why. Perhaps it's a sign that there there are some segments of the right who are just really unhappy with how Lindell is doing this. Here's what that Washington Times article said. Cyber expert Josh Merritt, who is on the team hired by Mr. Lindell to interrogate the data for the symposium, told the Washington Times that packet captures are unrecoverable in the data and that the data as provided cannot prove a cyber incursion by China. Quote, so our team said, we're not going to say that this is legitimate if we don't have confidence in the information, Mr. Merritt said on Wednesday, the second day of the symposium. Mr. Merritt's break from Mr. Lindell accelerated the unraveling of the MyPillow millionaire's months of spinning of a conspiracy that he said would reverse the outcome of the 2020 election and restore former President Donald Trump to the White House. Cybersecurity expert J. Kirk Wybe, a former senior National Security Agency analyst and whistleblower, also said Mr. Lindell did not have the actual data sets. He said the scrolling text was likely meant to resemble what the packet captures would look like in the data set, but were not actual packet captures, which are vital to prove the claims. Several cyber experts at the symposium became frustrated late into the first day with not being provided with packet captures. Mr. Merritt and Mr. Wybie said the missing packet captures could be a result of either the format the data was sent in or they were withheld by the source of the information. Dennis L. Montgomery. 
that last detail, that the man who is the source of the information is Dennis Montgomery, is really interesting because Montgomery has a decades-long career of making millions of dollars by scamming people, most notably the Pentagon. Now, our, our friends over at Knowledge Fight, uh, the podcast, they have a full episode on Dennis Montgomery for those who want a deep dive on him. But just to summarize, so Montgomery claimed that he developed software that could find terrorist plots that were hidden in broadcasts of the uh, news network Al Jazeera. It could also, he claimed, identify terrorists from, from predator drone videos and detect noise from hostile submarines. His, his analysis had real-world impacts directly leading to national code orange security alerts and canceled flights, even though it was all a hoax. He was just straight-up scamming the feds by lying. Okay, mm-hmm. critical yeah. support. Player pimp. <laughs> <laughs> More recently, Montgomery scammed world-class piece of shit and human rights abuser Sheriff Joe Arpaio in a 2015 contempt of court hearing in Arpaio's racial profiling case. Arpaio testified that Montgomery had come to him two years earlier with claims that the U.S. Justice Department had been tapping the sheriff's office phones and emails. Arpaio uh, ultimately admitted that the claims were not credible despite the fact that he spent tax money pursuing them. Even more recently, Montgomery's behind the, the uh, claim that widespread voter fraud is the product of a deep state supercomputer called the Hammer and software called Scorecard. Now, the Hammer and Scorecard theory was even repeated by QAnon lawyer Sidney Powell in her attempts to overthrow the election. So here's the, the funniest part. Apparently, some attendees were told that they were unable to receive the promised data because Montgomery had the stroke. The night before the event. I don't believe this because yeah. he's a world-class oh, bullshitter. That's amazing. But I don't, Montgomery is a weird case. I understand why he's still active and running. I mean, how, how can you go this long without being like imprisoned or being killed by one of the right-wing people that he scammed? What do you mean? He's an exemplary representative of the system we have. He's the top student. He's, graduate, <laughs> he's graduating emeritus. Yeah, there's so many right wing like grifters and scammers that it's just hard to distinguish him between like a non a totally sincere right wing guy. It is. I think I think maybe he, Montgomery's innovation be like, oh, well, I can these people are basically rubes, so I can scam the high level right wing people. We need more people like Montgomery on the right, <laughs> honestly. So that's day two, which was obviously a disaster. Uh, So Lindell opened day three of the event by claiming that he was attacked the previous evening. He even got choked up while talking about it. I last night when I got to the hotel, I was attacked. And um, um, Phil here, we're going to talk about uh, where we're going today in light of this. Um, On the live stream show Flashpoint after the event, Lindell elaborated on the incident. Now, Lindell is a very confusing storyteller, but it sounds to me like he was confronted by a couple of trolls, one of which grabbed him a little too tightly while attempting to get a picture. Well, what it was is we got back to the hotel and Kendra and I were walking and we got our key and I turned around and you've got to realize I've been in bad places before. I've had swords to my throat. I've had guns to my head. I owned bar for 13 years, and you had to read people. Sure. And I walked. We we went back. We turned back. I go, come on, we gotta we gotta go. And two guys kind of ran down the thing by the elevator there, and he goes, "Can I get a picture?" But the way he was running, it wasn't like a fan. It was like it was just something different. And so I took the picture, and then this other guy came up out of nowhere, and he goes, "I want one too." And he put his arm up and he stuck his thing. 
it was so much pressure. I mean, and, and I just knew if I did anything, there was something more coming. And he jammed it into where that it was just piercing pain. And I'm just going, and I acted like, you know, that I didn't feel anything. And I'm sitting there like that, and I go, I go, okay, you know, do you have it? Well, what I think now after then we and then we let go, and that guy looks at me, and I mean, it was like I was almost doubled over, and and the other guy then was like this, and it seemed like he was going to grab me, and Kendra's not knowing because I'm not letting out any sure. pain, pulled into the elevator, and I got upstairs, and I, and I am buckled over, and she said, "What's up?" I said, "That guy tried to you know hurt me. I don't know what he, I didn't know what he was doing, but I think what he was doing, if I would have reacted, I think they were videotaping, and I think it was a setup." Like if I'd have either fought back, right. and they would said, "Yo, look what Mike Lindell does with pictures," yeah. or if I'd have turned, there right. was something else that he might have done. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's genuinely like a clinically paranoid person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No sleep. No food. Someone touched me. I'm dying. It's perfect because he like even reports that there's someone else there who's like, "Oh, everything's fine." Just doesn't notice anything wrong. After spending several months insisting that it was China who stole the election, Lindell on the third day also pivoted by insisting that actually it doesn't matter who stole the election, but he still insists that it was stolen. But the journalists, if you're out there and you're a journalist, you need to know this is our country. This isn't about any politics or president or anything. If we don't get rid of these machines and computers in our election, it's over. They stole this thing that could, you know, you can say, oh, Mike, it wasn't China, it wasn't this, what Does it matter? They did it through the, it doesn't even matter who did it anymore. It's over. As cyber expert Robert Graham, a.k.a. Roger Rob, left the event, here is his final assessment of his experience. Final verdict of this, quote, cyber expert, number of packet captures or cyber PCAP scene equals zero. Amount of absolute proof seen equals zero. Amount of any evidence seen equals zero. Lindell rescinded the $5 million offer, and all in all, it was a huge clusterfuck, a waste of time for everyone involved. We are joined now by Zachary Patrizo, a reporter for Salon who was at the Cyber Symposium and has been following Lindell's antics for quite a while now. Zachary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Now, you have a, I think, a, a interesting special relationship with Mike Lindell. So he, in fact, he knows you and he, in fact, uh, called you out from the stage several times. And you were even, I recall, uh, invited to come and speak on the stage to debate. It's my understanding he didn't he didn't actually wind up doing that. Is that correct? You got that right. Of course, Mike Lindell at the event was pushing his his normal claims about the 2020 election, his baseless claims. And at one point, he invited me up on stage, uh, offering me to ask him questions and vice versa. I guess him asked me questions. So uh, when push kind of came to shove, so to speak, uh, Lindell pulled back uh, from from that offer. Uh, and even Steve Bannon and, and others were a little bit uh, shocked that uh, Lindell had uh, pulled back because uh, the questions were pretty basic, such as, you know, where is the evidence and uh, who gave it to you and chain of custody and questions like that. Now, uh, you've been sh- you've been sharing a lot of like uh, interesting sort of text messages that, that you had received from Lindell. <laughs> he seems as angry in private as he is uh, in public. He's a pretty angry guy. I mean, for, for a guy that's worth uh, three hundred million dollars, you would think, man, this would be the last thing kind of on his list of things to do. 
But Lindell is uh, is pretty dead set on these baseless claims. And one of the things he does a lot is he randomly texts me at random hours. It could be, let's say, three o'clock in the morning or, or, or whenever have you. And he, he says these uh, kind of ridiculous things. Um, he says things to get media attention you know, at some times, but uh, other things are, are, are pretty serious in terms of the claims he's making about the election and, and things he's uh, claiming about even like pro-Trump outlets. Uh, one of them most notably, uh, you know, now claiming that this far, far right outlet called True News is now involved with Antifa. He also accused you of being Antifa and said you were being uh, investigated or something. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, so now I am being investigated not only apparently by Mike Lindell and his team of elite private investigators, but also the Sioux Falls uh, Police Department, according to Lindell. So now the, the wide-ranging investigation continues to open, uh, and uh, it, it remains to be seen exactly what they'll find. They claim that I am a, uh, a soldier <laughs> with the Antifa, if you will. Uh, so that's <laughs> their big claim. And uh, Lindell has now also claimed that I might have been behind this like surreptitious attack on him, which is of course <laughs> false because you know I was never even near the, the the hotel which the incident happened. But you you actually had an incident occur to you at the symposium that was then reinterpreted. Could you first of all explain what happened to you and then how it was twisted? Yeah. So when I was at the symposium, uh, you know, I was kind of hanging out up at this uh, second level of the the event space. There was kind of a a pretty big hall um, and, you know, kind of your your run of the mill average Republican state legislators kind of hanging out on the bottom, what they were calling the quote unquote deck plates of this event. Uh, and then upstairs, there was kind of media personalities, you know, far right personality types. There was also, you know, more liberal media per se. And, uh, you know, we were all kind of milling about and uh, myself and another reporter with uh, the conservative uh, fact checker, the dispatch was there. And, um, you know, I was, we were just kind of hanging out, everything was okay. And then all of a sudden she, you know, this other reporter went to, to go charge her laptop, pretty normal stuff. And then from that point on, there was a, a far, far right reporter with the gateway pundit, of course, that had kind of come up to her and started harassing her and being really aggressive and rude, you know, mostly stemming from, you know, her Facebook fact checks of the gateway pundit. And then from that point on, it really, really started to escalate. Uh, this reporter had come up to me, started surreptitiously like recording my laptop screen from behind to me. Um, I kind of turned around and was like, you know, what's going on, bud? Like, you know, how can we help you type of thing? And, uh, and, and this, this, this character, uh, you know, kind of immediately shoves the camera in my face and, and starts asking me, you know, why I call him a conspiracy theory publication and, and things like that. So from that point on, it kind of continued to escalate. But then he got kicked out. So how did you do this Ninja Jedi trick? Yeah. So he, he ended up getting kicked out on the second day, surprisingly, uh, which was I think shocking to, to a lot of people, but security had kind of seen the situation going on and approached him and said, you know, why are you shoving a camera in this guy's face? It's probably pretty unnecessary. So from that point on, uh, you know, he was kind of like frog marched out by at least 10 security guys. Uh, and then, you know, he ended up, he, 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 uh, he allegedly kind of got some help from his fellow right wingers and right wing media that kind of convinced, you know, the, the, the Lindell posse to let him back in and, and the gateway pundit because of course you know they're friendly and then 
yeah, a couple of days later, uh, the Gateway Pundit puts out this hit piece um, on 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 myself and another person claiming that we are, um, you know, facial recognition, quote unquote, has tied us back to Antifa gatherings, which of course is baseless and false. Uh, so from that point on, we are kind of uh, made into these, you know, Antifa soldier fighters, and now Lindell is of course investigating us from there. But at the time, you described them as resembling a high school student. Yeah, so so one of the things I did when this Jordan character from the Gateway Pundit had initially approached us was I kind of, you know, kind of laughed him off. I was like, dude, are you from high school? You know, like, uh, like, what's your deal? Like, <laughs> you sure do look like it. <laughs> but does, is he? I think he is. So uh, apparently this guy's like a high schooler. He's like a real estate agent in Arizona. Oh, my God. Like part-time real estate agent, part-time, mm-hmm. you know, political hack. Uh, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure he's in high school. He sure does look like it. I'll say that much. And then so he was let back in. Uh, I guess there was like a period of grace for the third day. And then Mike Lindell started talking about that issue in very different terms. So tell us what happened there. Totally different terms. Mike Lindell, I think what happened was his... What, who's he? Who, who he is calling his red team are like these, these like kind of security experts of sorts. And one of them's name is Phil Waldron, Colonel Phil Waldron. And this guy, uh, he has a iffy track record on accuracy. And I think what happened was is Phil Waldron kind of probably purposely, um, you know, distorted the situation so that it seemed as though you know what had happened was perpetrated by a liberal outlet when in fact it wasn't that it was that of the work of a conservative outlet that clearly did something wrong mike lindell's team initially you know saw what was wrong called out what was wrong but of course lindell and his you know his team later on had to spin it so that it was the fault of the liberal outlet right so they had misconstrued this and purposely kind of twisted it so that, um, you know, now Lindell, of course, can blame, you know, Salon, myself, um, and even the Dispatch and, 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 and other reporters, the Washington Times, etc. Even right of center outlets, you know, now are being accused of being Antifa and all of these things when, you know, that's, that's not true. Let's pull back a little bit because you, wa- you watched how many documentaries now and you've attended and or watched how many events this is a, a very long-lasting circus act that's been going on the road. Uh, you know, what, what do you make of the entire thing? So I started covering Mike Lindell about a year and a half ago at Mediate. And since that point, I've been fascinated with him just from the standpoint of, look, he's a rich guy with a lot of money uh, that tosses around his weight in Trump world. He's very influential, I think more so than what many people even think. He not only was one of the largest advertisers on Fox News for a very long time, but the average Trump world character really thrives and lives off of Mike Lindell's pillow company. I mean, when you look at how many of these C-list MAGA types from, you know, guys like, you know, Harris Jr. to like, you know, even guys like Dan Bongino are like shilling my pillow products every single day. So a lot of the 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 conspiracy theories ultimately kind of trace back to him in more ways than one. So that was where my kind of obsession, if you will, with Mike Lindell started was, you know, in covering Trump world and seeing how many connections he has. But it really morphed into something much larger. Uh, you know, the past year and a half, I've been covering uh, Mr. Lindell, you know, kind of everywhere. I saw him down at Dallas CPAC 
more recently. Uh, but of course, he's had events all across the country, these quote unquote Frank speech rallies where he basically pulls up to a remote cornfield and, you know, wherever have you and, and, and tosses up a jumbotron and starts just touting random things and diamond and silk come along. Right. So it's like it's really become something perhaps, you know, totally engulfing Trump world um, in, in many ways. You wrote for Salon that if what Lindell is saying is true, some of his recent claims that he would be violating wiretapping laws. Could you explain how, how that works exactly? Sure. Yeah. So Mike Lindell, his, his some of his biggest claims revolve around the way in which he obtained the 2020 ele- election data. So this is the data that he claims that his white hat hackers, quote unquote, um, captured on the night of the election. And while this is something that many might brush aside and say, oh, that's that's easily, you know, not legit in terms of the way he obtained the data, I kind of looked at it from a different angle and said, what if it is legit? What if what if these packet captures that we now know, you know, never existed and and it's entirely false what he's claiming? But what if they were right? Right. So I checked that out, and um, a cyber expert with over 20 years of experience um, and a a law firm that was working with the cyber expert shared with Salon that if, in fact, the claims that Lindell, you know, touts are true, he could ultimately be tied up on some pretty hefty uh, wiretapping laws, you know, in, in breaking those laws because of the way he obtained these packet captures being kind of sent from from one computer to another, the way he intercepts them. So that would have broken federal wiretapping laws, um, which, which I think is really interesting because it shows just to what extent these Trump world characters are willing to claim um, and not totally look at like the consequences of their actions, you know, and also not look at, you know, what could potentially be, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty bad situation for Lindell to get himself into when he doesn't really even have the data to begin with. Yeah. Speaking of like not thinking about the consequences of his actions, uh, Lindell, I think, is a unique figure because uh, he kind of like he, he seems to be someone who is like sincerely believing a lot of the bullshit that's being fed to him. I don't know exactly who is in his ear. He's being egged on by big figures like Bannon and stuff. Um, but, um, but, uh, he seems to, he seems to be on the frankly self-destructive path. He's, he's being sued by Dominion. He is, he is, he is breaking relationships with, uh, his media partners and his political partners in this pursuit. Where do you think this ends for him? I mean, is he, is he going to end up in the poorhouse because he believes in this campaign so much? It's a great question. This is one of the questions I get a lot from people that are like, you know, pretty big followers of Lindell is like, what happens to Lindell? Um, I will note, I think one of the biggest mistakes Trump world has made is at times going all in for Lindell. And I think we've seen that some of the people not at the cyber symposium more recently, you know, those outlets, the conservative pundits, the outlets that didn't cover it weren't there. It's quite telling, right? Because we have, you know, more mainstream conservative outlets like the Daily Caller not writing anything about the symposium. We have other, you know, more mainstream types that are actually starting to ignore Lindell in many, in many ways. Fox News, for example, etc. So I think that's one thing. I also think Steve Bannon kind of like pushing him to a great extent shows kind of maybe perhaps how desperate Steve Bannon is now to shill the products to to keep pushing Lindell into, you know, possibly just more and more legal trouble, right? So that kind of takes us to where Lindell is going. I would say Lindell is going to kind of this dark place, this place where 
perhaps uh, Dominion wins a suit. Uh, perhaps it's not all his wealth. Um, and perhaps, you know, my pillow gets turned into a shell of what it what once was, you know, a smaller my pillow operation. Um, but I, I really do believe that, you know, he is self-destructing and he's going to a place that, you know, basically, um, you know, he, he, he's pretty much doomed. I mean, when you don't have the right wing media ecosystem behind you fully um, and Trump world characters are starting to abandon you, all you have is Steve Bannon, uh, things are looking pretty bleak. The, of course, Antifa... The large claim was that Antifa had infiltrated the event, right? So that was kind of at the center and at the crux of why he couldn't give that data. But of course, you know, Salon, myself, we, we had walked outside and seen firsthand that there were no Antifa agitators. There was no one out there besides three people deep in gospel song, right? But speaking of characters, you ran into Jeffrey Peterson or In the Matrix, the QAnon influencer at this event he was he was he was there uh he had some choice things to say about salon's coverage of him one of his big things is that he's not QAnon. he told me he's not QAnon. he is he believes in anons and q and you guys informed me that uh this is basically just uh, a way to uh kind of trick the media right what else did uh he have to say about your writing in salon it was interesting because his big thing was claiming that he's not q and he basically kind of wanted a retraction um, by like everyone in the media claiming that he is involved with QAnon, right? So it, it was kind of a strange dynamic because here he is on his phone and there's like the matrix and stuff and he's telling me everything Lindell, you know, said was in QAnon and it, it's like intertwined and all this stuff. But at the same time, he's telling me he doesn't want to be associated with QAnon. So I was, I, it was very, it was a confusing conversation. Yeah. I mean, this whole is like there are Q and there are nons. There is no QAnon is a weird way to sort of resolve the cognitive dissonance between the sort of the bad branding of QAnon and the fact that they're all true believers. And, you know, Jeffrey Pedersen, he's kind of an old hat at this. He's been mm -hmm. using QAnon for years. He appeared at the Q conference. So it's, a, it's an old habit that he appears uh, not be able to break quite yet. Zach, uh, what else is, is going on right now? What other stories are you working on? I would say that some of the other interesting things I'm following include uh, kind of this growing rift between uh, Gab, Rumble, and like the parlor crowd. Um, so in right-wing media, of course, Rumble being the new YouTube alternative mm -hmm. that has seemingly found itself at the center of some drama. So of course, Rumble is kind of run and, and kind of the spokesperson for that is, of course, Dan Bongino. And Dan Bongino is now getting into these kind of tirade and rants um, against the uh, founder of the far-right platform Gab, which also has like Gab TV, Andrew Torba, of course. Um, so like there's this huge like kind of like tech civil war happening there um and it seems to me every time these right-wing platforms kind of get off the ground get going one of the biggest things that you know it's kind of like self-sabotage they they ultimately um you know shoot themselves in the foot um whether that be with like sonic the hedgehog furry porn on you know getter or whether that be you know infighting between rumble and and gab or whether that be you know parlor um you know just, you know, their users abandoning the platform. It, it, it always seems like, you know, it's kind of uh, Trump supporters um, and their own users are kind of, you know, ultimately being their own downfall. And so people can go and follow you at ZT Petrizo, that's P-E-T-R-I-Z-Z-O on Twitter. And where else can they find your work? 
They can find uh, my work at salon.com, uh, where you know we try to get up uh, all the all the gossip on uh, right wing Trump world, uh, if you will. Uh, pretty pretty usual. You got to be careful out there. Uh, do you do you do you see agents sometimes? Like the you know now that you're under investigation, do you ever get tailed? You know I, I haven't seen that yet, but uh, I bet the Sioux Falls uh, Police Department is uh, on their way in route to Washington D.C. now for uh, for for serious questioning. Just look for a giant van in the shape of a pillow with four Pinkertons in it. (laughs) My pillow, we put Zach to sleep. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. We usually stream twice a month at twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. Other Twitch handles you can follow are Julian Field, Liv Agar, and Florida Flynn, which is me. For everything else, go to the website QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. He went on his... uh, Frank's speech platform, and he made another statement about True News. Yes, this this is one where he, he actually says he does know who True News uh, is, an organization. He says it's a fake news outlet. Oh. He might be able to tie him back here to Antifa. We're, we're allegedly, we're looking into that. All these media guys that were there, that were letting people in with their media badges and using masks to disguise themselves, like Zach started wearing a mask, I think, on the second day. These guys, we're gonna, we're gonna bring it. It's all gonna come out. This true news, which is a fake news outlet. Uh, we have, we have Zach on video with all these people. My, we have an intelligence counterintelligence team that was there. We're gonna investigate all of them. I have a report from, from our counterintelligence and the people that were there. Um, they've given me this report, and this will be ready by tonight. Um, Antifa. Um, they. On our counterintelligence, Antifa, uh, they were the individuals were, were working with True News, which is a fake news site established by Media Matters for America. Uh, we believe Zachary Patrizo from Salon was involved. We've got them all on tape colluding with masks on. There were people there that said they were from Fox News, but those we believe those were also infiltrators because Fox News was not there. But when you use masks, Brandon, to get into things, I mean, bad people, just like you go back to the riots across America, they're using masks now to to do bad things. Hey, I gotta say this, Edward. I am the first person to be accused of being both a white nationalist and an Antifa domestic terrorist. <laughs> oh boy. I pulled it off. How about that? You did it, Rick. You a white get nationalist, left-wing Antifa domestic terrorist. That, that is so bonkers what I just heard. It really is sad. Um, Mr. Lindell, I, I don't know one person at Media Matters, and if they're funding us, their checks are late. <laughs> they're about 22 <laughs> years late because I've had to get on my knees and pray every day and, and uh, for the funds to come in from donations from people around the world. And um, Antifa, uh, no, we didn't smuggle any Antifa people in. I, that just that just didn't happen. I don't know one single Antifa member. So Rick, where's all this coming from? Somebody's feeding uh, Mr. Lindell a lot of 
bad information and I think he should wise up and um, take a look at who he has surrounded himself with and whether somebody has gotten inside his group and they are now um, turning him into a clown. You know destroying his own credibility. Yes, they're destroying you know his does, credibility. Though? Okay, so he has this big you know, show to show truth, right? Mm -hmm. Just that statement alone about disparaging us yes. just ne neglects all that stuff that he might have been true because that is blatant lies what he's saying. I mean, it's just, that well, discredits him. But he said that he's got a counterintelligence team that is giving him this report. Is that Mossad? Through uh, Dirty Dershowitz? Mm. Somebody is feeding him information. So if he's so wrong on us, right, on that re intel report, what about the other stuff he's trying well, to feed the American people about right, so the election? That, so that's what it's doing to me. I'm, I'm, yeah. Now I'm in the story.